0: Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now, here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Today is This episode is sponsored by Axiom, a recognized leader in the business of law. Axiom provides tech-enabled legal, contracts, and compliance solutions for large enterprises. Hello, listeners. It's Nicole Giantonio, the founder of Left Foot, and we're excited to announce that our audio-based 12-session business development challenge will be available on October 1st. 12 practical execution-oriented steps to predictable business development success. Go to leftfoot.com for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guests are not only leaders in the field of legal operations, but are on the forefront of transforming the legal ecosystem through their leadership within CLOCK, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium. A JD and MBA led our first guest into legal operations at Sun Microsystems, Oracle, and now NetApp. She's passionate about the need for transformation in the legal industry through the use of technology and the application of tools, programs, and processes for greater efficiency. The Chief of Staff and Senior Director of Legal Operations at NetApp and CEO of Clock, Connie Brenton, welcome to Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole. It is so nice to be here. Glad you could be with us, Connie. Joining Connie is a 2016 ABA Legal Rebel and the 2016 Legal Department Operations Director of the Year. Transitioning from a career in investment banking and consulting, our next guest experienced law firm life joining Oric in 2003 as a profitability analysis manager, an experience that five years later led to the role of head of legal operations, technology, and strategy at Google. Mary O'Carroll, welcome to Left Foot.
1: Thank you, Nicole.
0: Pleasure to be here. Happy to have you as a guest in our program, Mary. Let's jump into our questions, starting with one we ask most of our guests. Let's start with you, Mary. What personal strengths or habits have allowed you to successfully transition to a role focused on legal operations?
1: You know, it's an interesting question that you've asked because we just took this personality test as part of one of the sessions uh, with Dr. Larry Richard at the Clock Institute. And in terms of background and skill set, I, I think it's, takes a jack of all trades. And and I say that a lot about this role. As you mentioned in my background, I've worked in finance, management consulting, and in law firm operations. So I've had a good amount of exposure to the skill set necessary to excel in this role. But in terms of personal strengths, I'm very action-oriented. I make decisions very quickly and I can be very comfortable working with ambiguity. This is a role where you need to be able to juggle a lot of balls at the same time without letting any of them drop. So it's important to be able to multitask and kind of shift your priorities at the drop of a hat. I think I'm also quite resilient when it comes to work. And you really need to be in this type of role because you're met with resistance every step of the way. And you need to be able to continue to navigate that environment and keep pushing forward and keep trying to get things done. You've got to be flexible in both your leadership and your management style because it's critical to do really good change management in this role. You also have to be flexible in that your focus, in the focus of your department and the initiatives that you're working on can change in an instant depending on the priorities that you have at hand. Thank you. Thank you
0: for that response. We do hear about resiliency and the resistance it seems to be a big factor for legal operations professionals, legal purchasing professionals, practice leaders in firms. They're struggling to get their lawyers on board. Any skills in that area I think would be highly valued in this space. Connie, some comments on your experience and the transition to in-house? One quick comment on resilience. I think it might be a differentiator between the
2: traditional lawyer personality and the operations personality because you have to be a, you really do have to have resilience in this role because it is a a role of constant change management versus a more traditional substantive legal position. Moving over to what personal strengths have successfully transitioned me to the role of legal operations. I have a focus on running businesses. I always have. I like running legal like a business which is what many of the GCs are now wanting and needing. And so it's a perfect fit. I'm good at seeing the big picture and not getting caught up in the weeds. And I have passion. I love what I do. I love to work. I obsess over it. I let it consume me. I'm never fully satisfied. And I'm constantly pushing to do something bigger and more innovative and more impacting. I lead by example. I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. It's really in my DNA. It's kind of my way of life. I can't help but speak with my authentic voice, share my opinions, provide open and frank feedback that can cut both ways. And I am optimistic. There are a lot of up and downs when creating change and initiating innovation at a grand scale like we are with CLOCK. And I'm optimistic to the core. This requires a fearlessness. I truly believe in making the impossible possible. And finally, I have stamina both in terms of getting stuff done and getting it across the finish line
0: and an ability to work a zillion hours. Mary, what was the most surprising thing taking on the role that you have at Google?
1: Oh, gosh, it was all very surprising. To be honest, you know, I was running operations or working with the COO at a very large international law firm, and when I had joined Google, I understood there to be about 200 in the legal department, which seemed massive to me. So I figured it'd be very similar coming, coming into almost running like a law firm operation within a, a large company. And what I found was the goals, the metrics, the um, challenges that you have in-house are very, very different from that of a law firm. And part of it was just the lack of transparency and the lack of data that legal departments have. Coming into all of this, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I came into all of this with a business sort of point of view and really process improvement lens. And when I saw kind of the way legal departments and law firms were run, I think I automatically kind of said, okay, how can we make this better? Let's look at the current processes. Let's look at the technology we have in place. And a lot of that, quite frankly, was lacking. There weren't a lot of reports or metrics or ways of analyzing data or formalized processes of how to get things done. Everything kind of seemed very bespoke and kind of everyone was doing their own thing. Um, part of that, I thought, was because you know Google is this very flat, very entrepreneurial-feeling culture, even now, even though we're you know, a very large, stable company, it still feels the culture is very startup-y. Um, people have a lot of autonomy to kind of do their own thing. So I think that's one piece of it. But, you know, on the other hand, that's how the entire legal industry is. And and what I have found through Clock and from finding a lot of uh, my peers at other companies is that this is not unique. You know, the fact that everyone is trying to, to get their jobs done and do things in the way that either they were trained or that's the way it's always been done or that's how they've seen their peers and their mentors do it in the past. There hasn't been a lot of innovation and change in this industry. That was kind of the biggest surprise to me and a lot of opportunity. And as, as Connie mentioned, you know, this has become my passion of how can we make this better and faster and get things done cheaper? Um, there's so much opportunity to do that. And so for me, it's, it's what drives me.
2: I completely agree with you, Mary. I think what was most surprising, and it continues to be a surprise to those who are new to the operations role, is the state of the industry. I think all of us who get into this space have a a business background or a finance background or are comfortable with numbers, and we think that way, and when we get into these operation roles we realize that the state of the in the legal industry is behind what we had envisioned. So the technology is nascent, the connectivity to the ecosystem is nascent. And we have an opportunity to create most of what we do, especially those of us who've been in, in this role for a number of years, from the ground up. It was surprising and it was also a very wonderful surprise because we could innovate from the beginning. We could really create what we wanted the end state to look like. I think along with that surprise is we didn't appreciate, and Mary, I'd like to throw this back to you, appreciate how difficult the change management piece was going to be. Because those of us who get involved in operations and who have that passion for operations love change. We love change. We love metrics. We're quite resilient. We are agitators. And that, that is atypical for the legal industry. And so the other thing I think that we're finding as the role is expanding is that many of us feel like outsiders or different from the majority of those within our department. It's one of the reasons for the success of CLOCK because now we we realize we're all experiencing these
0: surprises at the same time and virtually the same manner. What I'm hearing from that, thank you, Connie and Mary, is that they weren't using the data. They weren't conscientious, that they weren't conscientious of the timelines and the budgets and the Need for speed that a lot of corporations operate under. You have to balance risk and speed, risk and when something can be delivered. We hear a lot from our lawyers that the way they differentiate themselves actually is by being better business people, responding to the the client's need for a decision at a particular time, a, a decision quickly. We're hearing a lot of that. I'm sensing as an operations leader, you're balancing what the firms and service providers can deliver. Would that be accurate?
2: Those of us in the legal operations role for a period of time, a decade or so, when we got in, we didn't have the data. It didn't even occur to us to collect data. It was something that was so foreign, it didn't even enter our imagination. And so once it started To be fit. It was a moment that we clicked. Ah, yes. And so then once we realized we could run our departments by data, then the next challenge was where do you get the data? Because the technology in this space is relatively new. When you put in new technology, it doesn't always work correctly. And so beta testing technology was and is a, I don't want to say challenge, but there's something really fun about it. Like it's evolving. Yeah. And so we get to play in a lot of areas that are so new. And we also get to co-create with our partners in the ecosystem.
1: I'll piggyback on that a little bit in that the data didn't exist. Collecting it was very hard. Having technology that we could use to leverage that data at times in, in the past did not exist. I think we're getting a lot better. But even without the technology, we didn't have processes in place to make sure that the data was collected, even in a uniform way. How do we, are we even defining these things? All of that had had to be put in place. And, you know, I talk about standards a lot and being able to measure, talk about things in a common language across the industry. That that did, did not and still almost doesn't exist in a lot of areas. So we need to really be talking across the ecosystem so that we have the same language when we're talking about a certain metric or we're talking about a certain type of work that everyone understands what that includes and what that means. Right now, we're all defining things our own way.
0: And the need for consistency, and of course, organizations like CLOCK will help with that And now a word from our sponsor, Axiom Solutions combine legal experience, technology, and data analytics to deliver work in a way that dramatically reduces risk, cost, and cycle time. With over 1,200 lawyers and 2,000 plus employees across three continents, we experience a nerdy excitement from improving the way legal, compliance, and contracts work is done. For more information, go to axiomlaw.com. Dot com. Nicole here and a shout out and thank you to our 31,000 podcast listeners. Are you looking to refresh your business development efforts? The Left Foot 12 Session Business Development Challenge will refresh your efforts in three areas. Business development grit, tactical habits that lead to business development success, including networking, nailing your niche, how to focus and develop an expert reputation, commercial savoir faire, a discussion on business and the revenue side of law. At LeftFoot, we believe 20% of people are natural at business development, 10% say no to business development, and 70% are neutral and can adopt the skills necessary when presented in an organized, methodical way. To learn more and be challenged, go to leftfoot.com. I know both of you were at Legal Week in New York, and I heard Roger Meltzer from DLA Piper talk about his legal ecosystem in his firm and the fact that he employs so many technologists and and other people within DLA Piper that are part of the legal ecosystem that they hope to bring to their clients. That said, this legal ecosystem today has a lot of technology companies that are delivering legal tech to organizations. Mary, if you wanna take this first and, and Connie can comment, as you're out representing your organization, gathering providers that you'd want to be able to communicate to the, the clock organization members, what are you looking for in those companies? Is there a certain quality when you're selecting for your own organization, things that at this point have to be part of how those organizations are going to deliver services to NetApp, to Google? Let's start with that question first. What do you look for in those partners?
1: They need to understand our business and our culture. They need to get it. We like to ask a lot of questions up front. I want to hear lots of questions from them because it doesn't make them look stupid. It's quite the opposite. You know, whether it's a law firm or a service provider that's that's doing legal work, our attorneys aren't great at defining scope. And that's a lot of the challenge. If our firms aren't getting clarity, I want to make sure that they're asking for it and asking it a bunch of different ways so that they can repeat back and be aligned on what's being asked, then they can actually deliver on it, and that would make the client happy ultimately. You know, when they're not aligned or there's an understanding of scope or, or the quality that we're looking for or the method in which that um, piece of work is delivered, that that's going to be a problem. To service providers and technology companies, I always say, dumb it down, make it really simple for us and our. Users or attorneys to use your technology or to understand what it does. In our roles, and I can speak for myself, we're very, very busy. We're bombarded with emails and cold calls from vendors and technology providers every day, and it's hard to to know which ones to pick up the phone and and set up a meeting with. And nowadays, there's so many that are up and coming, and some that are really interesting, but. It's very difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff. For a while, I was trying to do 15 minutes with a vendor and see if it it was interesting, I would keep talking to them. A lot of times, even after 15 minutes, I couldn't figure out what these folks were doing. I couldn't understand what the company or the technology was going to do for my department and how it was going to make things better. I would like to encourage folks to make your websites or your product pitches just really clear and help us understand what services you're going to deliver or how you're going to make my department more efficient or better quality or faster. We should not be trying to decipher your website or navigate through all the buzzwords.
2: In addition to that, Mary, I would suggest that CLOCK's mission of embracing the legal ecosystem has made some of this mutual understanding much easier. Up until fairly recently, Technology solutions were created in silos, and they were brought to us as a solution. We found that if we were not in the room together co-creating, the solution didn't work. As we see that shifting, and as we see that transparency, part of the industry is definitely evolving.
1: It's so important, and and you see those results. You know, I've talked to other folks in legal operations from companies that tell me this software is getting so much better because we're working really closely with them to to tell them not just what our company needs but what all of us need. And when I look at it, you know, you start seeing the benefits of that that someone else has already started talking to them about why this is important or why that feature needs to be there. We are connecting what might have been perceived
2: as potential competitors because we will see a common thread from one technology to a second technology, and if we can put those two companies together, they can then create solutions that work better in their individual spaces. Integration is one of the necessary components to a solution that actually works. So we're seeing now that technology providers themselves
0: are willing to cross over and work with each other. Now that makes so much sense. Connie, what's the reception been of the lawyers at NetApp? Have they embraced the ideas brought forward? Are they coming to you now and, and making suggestions on where improvements could be made and, and asking, you know, is there a solution that could assist with with this particular item? Change management
2: is change management is change management, and it is a necessary process. Matt Fawcett is our general counsel, and he is incredibly innovative and incredibly courageous, and he started this process of innovating when he first arrived at NetApp seven years ago. We now have gotten through that very difficult, grueling change management initial process and and let me tell you, the other side of that rainbow is a beautiful place to work, to collaborate, to um, invest our, our t- most of our time and energy. So yes, now those lawyers in the NetApp legal department think the mindset has shifted. There is a natural inclination to think innovatively. To, to see a situation that's manual and say, mm, that doesn't make sense. We know there's a better solution. When you are right-sizing work, there is an initial infusion of fear into most departments. You're taking my work away from me, which means you are taking my job away from me. Over time, however, there is a realization that the work that is more mundane, once it gets lifted out, there really is a vacuum. That that vacuum that is created allows for more interesting, creative work. It just takes time for you to prove that over and over and over and over. And that's part of the change management process. So is it easy? No. Is Is it beautiful at the end of the rainbow? Yes.
0: Mary, same reception, challenging to begin with, but now rocking and rolling, or you know, are there still pockets where you know there are challenges getting your in-house counsel to really adapt?
1: I think a little of both. It continues to be hard. I mean, I think the bar at Google maybe is a little a little higher for technology deployment than anywhere else. Our internal users are no different from the external that you know, we're used to seeing a white page with a bar and you can put anything in the world in it and within a nanosecond you've got the entire world's information at your fingertips it's not going to be that easy when you deploy legal software for a legal department. There's, you know, with third parties or whether we build stuff ourselves, it has to be easy to use. It has to be clean. It has to be easy to navigate. You know, we always say if it requires training, it's not going to work. It's too complicated. We also say if it takes an extra click or an extra step that is outside of someone's current process, the way they're currently doing their job, that is going to be a larger change management issue, right? If we can build technology or processes into what they're currently doing and just make their lives easier, that's much easier to implement than saying, hey, I know you used to do it this way in this manner, and I'm going to ask you to shift. That's going to require a lot more change management and a lot more training and getting people kind of over to your side. As a legal operations department, generally, we've come a long way in the years that I've been here. My team has grown a lot. I think we've demonstrated impact and success on a lot of projects, whether it be technology implementation or just process improvement and re-engineering. Certainly, our backlog of requests and people who want us to help them with whatever their team is dealing with has gotten long. That, I think, is, is a positive thing. With everything we do, there still continues to be a huge change management component. While folks here are very eager to try new things. Adoption is, is still going to be hard, just like everywhere else. So I don't think we're, we're unique. We have a really great culture that embraces you know, trying a whole bunch of new things and iterating and trying to learn. We're remaking an industry. We're trying to redefine the way
0: that work is done. And that is not ever going to be easy. You know, I love that comment about if it requires training, it's too complicated because what we hear a lot is there's new technology that's been rolled out and no one used it or there was some adoption, but not enough to continue to maintain it. Obviously, it has to be easy enough, well thought out for the lawyers within a law firm, with lawyers within an in-house department to actually embrace that technology that is going to make their lives easier, eliminate problems, make them more efficient and frankly, produce the data. That would be so helpful to actually lead those organizations. You're definitely on the forefront. And as more and more people are talking about what is available and what could be implemented in in in-house legal departments, in law firms, that will lead to some adoption. I think the common thread that Mary and I have been
2: talking about with respect to our personal experiences is that common thread of change management, that uphill push, continual uphill push of change management is the common thread that unites the sisterhood and the brotherhood of CLOCK. It is the the single most important thread that makes CLOCK feel like a movement, that there is an understanding amongst operations executives when they talk to one another, the difficulty of the role because of this inherent challenge of of change management. Everything we put in, each new process, each new person we bring into the department, each new technology requires change management. So it is a role full of change management moments during every single day. And it is also the unintended consequence of that is that it has united this community, this corporate legal operations community.
0: Great comment. One of the things I was surprised to see and pleasantly surprised was the number of firms, major law firms that were at the recent CLOCK Institute. And I would imagine that those firms are there because they are supportive of the mission of CLOCK. They know there needs to be change. They are starting to embrace technology or possibly are pretty far down the road in embracing technology.
1: What I think is really unique about CLOCK and and what is very important to me is that there is this embracing of the ecosystem, as we keep saying. And for firms, what that means is it is not an us versus them. It is not a legal corporate legal department trying to beat up on firms and getting them to change. CLOCK strongly believes that there is a win-win situation here and that if we collaborate and if we talk about what's important to the client and what's important to the firm, we will get to an outcome in this industry that is going to be better for all the parties involved. What was really cool about this institute, as you mentioned, is that there were a lot of law firms represented. And certainly in the past, we've been talking to a lot of the business professionals at law firms. And that whole sense of immediately connecting and having this sense of change management and resilience and that upward battle, we have bonded quite a bit with the folks that are business professionals at law firms because they are trying to enact sort of the same type of change within their firms that we're trying to do in our companies. That relationship is quite solid, and I think we will continue having those really deep conversations with those folks and partnering to move the ball forward. What I thought was particularly interesting about this year's clock was the fact that there were actually a lot of partners and practicing lawyers from the firms that showed up, and I had some encounters with uh, individuals at the Institute, and there was one person in particular I, I bumped into, and I said, what is your role? at the law firm expecting it to be client manager or marketing professional or pricing director or something like that. And, and this person said to me, I'm a patent litigator. And I was kind of taken aback and I said, you know, what are you doing here? What are you trying to get out of this? You know, how did you hear about this? And she said to me that they got a message from the top saying that this is a very important meeting and that they need to send a certain number of the partners from the firm to go out there and see what the clients are saying and what the clients want. And so I said to her, well, what, you know, what do you think? How are you finding things? And she said to me, I sort of feel like, the lime in the middle of a juice squeezer. And I said, oh, in a a good way or a bad way, she said in a very good way in that I'm made slightly uncomfortable, but I understand why. And I'm starting to hear what you're saying, and I totally get it. And this is completely news to me, and I can't wait to get back to my firm to tell everyone what we need to be doing differently. And so to me, that was just one person that I connected with that I thought, okay, we've done our jobs. This is a complete win. We are getting the message out there, and we are getting people to understand where we're coming from and why you know this message needs to be you know this movement needs to take place and why it is not just about one single side working in, in a silo it's about all of us getting in the room together and that's just that is so critical I think to the fact that there is this feeling that things are moving and things are changing and it is because we're all talking to each other. There's a
2: collaboration happening within each segment of the legal industry. Even looking just at the data from last year's institute to this year's institute, there was a smattering of law firms present at last year's institute. And this year's institute, there are about a third of the sponsors were were law firms. So the tipping point is hitting in all sectors of the legal ecosystem. And I agree with you, Mary, that we have been asked more within the last six months than in the last six years is what does the client want? And so this was an opportunity for law firms to come and spend time with the client and understand, we keep saying, if you understood our business that's a huge differentiator. And so this was an opportunity, is and was an opportunity, to look behind the curtain and to, to understand how the department, how in-house departments are run and what is important to us and how best can law firms educate themselves to be a better partner. And in that sense, it also fulfills one of the clock missions of education, pure and simple. I thought what else was interesting is the curriculum was a little bit different this year in terms of, okay, we had sessions primarily last year geared only to in-house operations. This year, we had sessions looking behind the curtain of the law firm. How do pricing teams work? What data is being collected on the law firm's side so that we can create a win-win solution between all of those participants within the legal ecosystem.
0: Great comment. There was a component this year that included the law schools and legal education. Big change needs to start with the law schools. They need to start graduating
2: students who have an understanding of how to practice law. Right now and for many years, they have been graduating students who then require an additional four or five years of training in order to become fully productive within either outside counsel or in-house departments. Law schools are a critical component of the legal ecosystem. They have been the slowest to move. We are delighted to have them participating They did participate last year. They were more visible, I think, at this institute, but it has been a relatively slow go. They are also encumbered by some of the regulatory schemes that are in place and the organizational structure of law schools. So we hope creating an environment where they can also better understand what the client wants and that the client is ex- for them is expanding because up until very recently most of the students who graduated would go to outside counsel and now with the the limited number of positions available in outside counsel and with the expanding positions available in legal alternative providers the skill sets are different and the law schools would, would truly be delivering a, a gift to their students if they were graduating students who had a more broad understanding of the true practice of law.
0: When you look ahead 10 years from now and there's a Clock Institute coming up, what's on the agenda 10 years from now at the Clock Conference?
1: I hope we are not rehashing the same questions that we've been discussing over the last 20 years. I hope that we make the progress that I see happening. I've seen progress in the last 12 to 18 months be much more than I've seen in the last 15 years. So if this pace continues, and I think it is going to be accelerated by groups like clock and us talking to each other and the technology that's coming out and just kind of the pressure that we're all feeling to move things, I certainly hope that that looks quite different. I think, or I hope that we will be past talking about the billable hour and AFAs. I hope that with right sourcing and and putting the right type of work with the right resource, whether it's people or not people, I hope that becomes just a normal course of business. I hope that we are all aligned and on the same page about delivering quality that both sides are comfortable and happy with. So we'll see. I think these are the types of things that we're all working towards. And like I said, the the pace of change is accelerating.
0: So I do believe in 10 years that we'll be looking back and saying this is when it all started. You're just like so many things have become part of how we do business today. And there's an expectation that you can get access to data. There's an expectation that you can take a p- new piece of technology and implement it into your work life without training. You know, that, that is becoming the expectation.
2: One other thing, I think 10 years from now, we'll be able to push a button. How much should, should a patent troll case cost with three patents? Click, and we'll know exactly. Everybody will know exactly. Information will be accessible to the entire legal ecosystem.
0: You know, outcomes management, looking at what's happened in the past and being able to say it's likely to happen going forward based on certain criteria. Absolutely. We appreciate both of you sharing your voice with our listeners. Any last points you'd like to share before we say goodbye?
1: We are living in an extraordinary time. It's a privilege to be part of the changing environment and to be part of the group that is leading the change here. I think it will be very exciting to look back in 20 years, and 10, 20 years, and to see the impact and the progress that we've made in this industry, and it's fun to be a part of it.
2: The last thing I would say relates to the Magna Carta, which we talked about at the Big Thinkers session at PLOC, that we have identified the key changes that need to take place for each player in the industry, and we are in a perfect time And situation for everybody in in the ecosystem to make significant changes right now. Big changes, big collaborative changes, changes that make everybody better off, that makes the industry a better place than it has been for the last 30 years,
0: that brings us into the future. Exciting times. Mary, Connie, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on Left Foot. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12 session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time.